Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. I'm going to read a list of scriptures that I... Lord laid upon my heart to read to you. I will not finish this morning's sermon. I will probably finish next week. I'm only going to go as far as the Lord allows me. When I feel it's time for us to pray, we're going to do so. Is that okay? Is that okay? Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is where I lay it down, the song said. I'm only chasing you now. This is exactly what the writer is saying. This is the purpose of God, that we learn to fear the Lord, to walk in His ways, to love Him, to serve Him with all of our heart and soul. Now, Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. This is the final argument. This is where the dust settles. This is the conclusion. This is all we are to be expecting now. The conclusion of anything takes us to a place where all is tabulated. Now all has been heard and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty or responsibility of man. Now, here comes the word of the Lord. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Here comes the motivation. God will bring every deed into judgment. You want a reason as to why we are told to fear the Lord, to love Him, to walk in His ways? We find the finishing of this conversation and commandment. It's because one day the Lord is going to bring all things unto Himself and judge them. Whether good or bad. Matthew 16 and 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Hmm. 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, good or bad. And finally, Revelations 2011. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire and the lake of fire is the second death and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in thereafter. What a powerful series of passages. Hmm. What a powerful, what powerful words come out of the mouth of God in His Word. The words that by personal witness, sadly enough, ladies and gentlemen, are not frequented from our pulpits today. In this new millennial church that we live in, these are verses that have gathered dust. Their ink has faded out and the white pages of the Holy Script. All the outlining and notes are written on the verses of blessing and prosperity and do me goods and God is going to bless you in this and the other. But yet this kind of verse is covered in a quarter inch of dirt and seldom read from our pulpits, especially in this new millennium and this new world we live in today. Here is the fact of the matter. That the Bible tells us, and I speak to you this morning as I have felt the Lord compel me to do so. And this message today again its premise, ladies and gentlemen, is to encourage Rock of Ages. And those of you who are watching over social media near and far, to encourage you to consider something very important that is seldom considered in the house of God and amongst believers. And this thing is to ask ourselves on frequent occasion, what shall my conclusion be? I've titled this sermon, The Conclusion of Me. Might be bad English, but you understand what it reads. The conclusion of me. Seldom are we taking, ladies and gentlemen, especially today, to consider that question, what shall my end be? What shall the end of my story be? What will history say of me? What will God reward me with? What answer will I give to the life that I have lived 
during this temporal time upon this earth, in my life's journey, what then shall I say I gained for myself? This is a powerful question, ladies and gentlemen, and a powerful question that whether we ignore it now or tomorrow, one day we shall give answer to. We will be brought to a place where you will have to respond to that question. What is the conclusion of me? The implication in these passages that I've just read is obvious. And it teaches us that to every man there will be two conclusions. Two. Every single person that has ever trotted upon the face of this earth, however many years ago it took for the Lord to create this earth, every soul will have had to face the fact of two conclusions. One or the other. The first one, as we read in Scripture, will be that first pre-planned Conclusion that God has for you and I. Jeremiah 29 and 11, very popular passage. And we love to read the first part because it speaks to us on how God wants to bless us. And how His plan is to give us an expected future. But have you ever thought of what future you are creating for yourself? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Somebody say amen. Oh, and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. He goes on to embellish. He goes on to make it even more exciting. He said, then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise we have of the Lord. This first conclusion that God has designed for you and I. If we should choose to embrace it, will lead our souls into eternal bliss and joy unspeakable and full of glory. It will lead you and I to that place where we are in a good place, the Bible says. A place where God will hear us daily. A place where we will seek the Lord and we will find Him with ease. We don't have to chase after Him 30 days in prayer. Once you open your mouth, you'll find him. Just like Adam in the garden used to stroll with the Lord in the cool of day, the Bible says. How awesome to think that we could converse as we converse with God. A place where we will seek the Lord and find his presence. A place where... There is nothing that confines us, imprisons us, captivates us, taken from that earthly captivity to a freedom in His presence. This is the first conclusion. This is what God has pre-planned and designed for you and me. 
not only for you and me, but everyone beyond the walls of this venue, all over the world. This is God's planned conclusion for every soul, every lung that has breathed by the grace of God. Oh, but then there is a second option of conclusions. It's altogether different. This one is not designed by God. I'm going to take you to the valley of responsibility this morning because I believe that today and especially today as you see the unwinding of this world leading us straight to hell along with our children and society altogether. Second conclusion is not one that's designed by God, for we just found out what the first conclusion of God for us is desired to be. But the second one will be a conclusion that you have concocted yourself, you have constructed yourself, each and every one of us. It's altogether different than the Lord. It's a place where there is nothing good, a place where the ears of God do not hear a thing. A place where there's nothing that prospers or blossoms. A place where though we search all we want, God will be nowhere in sight. Nowhere to be found. It will be a place of imprisonment, captivity, pain, and bondage. In the scriptures, yes, in the scriptures, we are constantly spoken of these two conclusions. And the question of the hour this morning that I believe the Lord poses to all is what will be your conclusion? Dad, sir, have you considered your conclusion? Mom, sister, have you considered seriously your conclusion? Young people, college people, have you considered, taken time to consider the conclusion of your life and the conclusion of everything you've done in this life? As I was praying this week in preparation for my meeting with you this morning, I was asking the Lord for you, the church. And in seeking an answer from the Lord, I said, Father, what is it that has stunned your church? What is it that keeps our pews empty? What is it that keeps people rather wanting to watch over social media? Instead of coming to the warmth and the reality of the house of God, let me give you warning, one day there won't be a house of God to go to. But the church has shifted. Something has happened. What is it, Lord? And I prayed relentlessly several hours over this. And the Lord quickened to me, uh, my spirit to this passage that at the beginning didn't really make any sense but there were a couple of words in this passage that really spoke out to me and it's found in Deuteronomy 8 and 18 so I opened my Bible to see what it said and, and this is how it reads but remember the Lord your God 
For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms this covenant which is swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed like the nations the Lord destroyed. Hmm. I said, Lord, I mean, what is this? And I don't know if you ever read the Word of God, but for me, at times, I have this experience, this epiphany kind of experience. When I read the Word of God, all of a sudden, it seems like there are a few words in that passage that are bold. And they're not any different color. They're written in the same uh, uh, font and everything else. But they all of a sudden, they become bold or they even change color. They're a bright yellow, red or whatever. You go like, what? And the words are simply remember and forget. You will either remember or you will forget. You will either live your life in remembrance or you will live your life in forgetfulness. You will order your day on a daily basis to chase after those things remembering you will chase after things in your life forgetting and those two words have everything to do with those two conclusions I speak about for remembering will take you to God's conclusion and forgetting will take you to your own expected conclusion Hmm. The Lord has no trouble like I have trouble speaking something that is not very popular to the people. My knees shake when I, I speak to you that things that might challenge you. And I understand the fear of every other pastor behind the pulpit. These things, he dared not disturb the comfort of the church because they'll leave and who will pay the bills? I can see where we might forget what God is speaking and go to something we want to speak for the sake of remaining in position and, and not having more empty pews in the house of God. In the scripture, we are told of the devastation one will suffer with a second conclusion. We, we are told of the loss of favor with God in the second conclusion. We are spoken very clearly and boldly of the Lord, of the future of those who will live out eternity in that second conclusion. The scripture is all about giving great importance and consideration to our future. More than we do today. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the greatest illness of the church today, not only here but around the world, 
is that there is a spirit of forgetfulness. And there is a spirit of ignorance when it comes to considering your conclusion. We are living today in a time where the present is most important more than our future. We are living in a time when we have to do everything. We're doing everything we can to make our present enjoyable and, and, and agreeable to us. Guys, please sit down. I forgot about them. Also, maybe that's where the, if, if, if I start messing up, come back. That's where the anointing was coming from, okay? But that's the greatest illness of the church. Everybody is trying so much, ladies and gentlemen, to make their present enjoyable. Oh, what are we going to do today? How can we make our today better? Or how can we do this today? Let's make our business this. Let's make my education this. Let's make my family this. Let's build a house for this. Let's do this. Let's save for this. This, this, this now. And seldom do we raise our eyes. To look at our conclusion, our future. Does the church still remember that there is a future? What the world is doing today and things I don't have to mention, things you see in the news. You know what it is? It's just a spirit of forgetfulness. And they're forgetting that one day, as we just read, God will bring all things. God will bring all things to himself, and he's going to tabulate. Who are you? There is your conclusion. And you know that when something concludes, that's the end. There is no more conversation. When this service concludes, we linger a little bit, but there is no one on the pulpit anymore, no one to speak to you anymore, nobody to converse with you about anything of the business of the church per se. When the court hearing and the judge hits his gavel on his desk, that's the end of conversation, period. What it is now, it's time for payday. It's time to reap the rewards, whatever they may be. Has the church considered in this house today our conclusion? Have you considered the return you're going to get for your investment in life? Again, let me remind you, Matthew 16 and 27. God will reward each person according to what they have done. 2 Corinthians 5 and 9. All must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Revelations 20 and 11. The Bible says that 
the Lord removed the heavens and every element in the way where no one can hide. Those who drowned at sea a thousand years ago, the, the sea gave up its dead. Those who died in the wilderness and could find them not, the wilderness gave up their dead. Every grave, every man, woman, and child that has been buried under the ground, every grave surrendered its dead. Why? Everyone has to come before the judgment seat of God. Mm. then the conclusion shall be. As I said today, sadly enough, few pulpits will preach this. And I told the Lord, I said, you know, I have trouble having people like me already, Lord. Don't be offended. I don't care if you like me or not. I'm too old to care. I've been beat up too much to care. But I care more for you that on that day you receive your conclusion and you rejoice in heaven. Maybe you'll turn around and go like, thanks, man. I say, oh, you didn't like me one bit. That's all right, man. Sorry. I'm in heaven now. Thanks for not sparing the rod. We are so hard working in our churches to win the favors of men. We understand that strategy will tell you that if you speak ill to people or give them something that makes them uncomfortable, they'll never fill your pews. We dare not disturb the comfort or challenge the convictions of the lives of those who sit before you for the sake of losing financial support, gifts, or favor with their members. That's, that's a fact. It's a fact. And no one is thinking of the end of things. No one is thinking of the end of us. No one is thinking of the end of opportunity. It's visibly seen that even in the church today, we are more paying attention to the immediate than to the future. To gain all we can, to reach all we can, to hold all we can during this present existence. Instead of looking forward to the results of our investments. There is a scripture that I read. Every time I officiate a homegoing celebration, a funeral. And it comes out of the book of Ecclesiastics. Ecclesiastes, rather, sorry. Chapter 7, verse 2, it says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. In other words, there's no escape. There is an uncheatable appointment that you and I, my friend, are going to have to show up on time. This one you will be not late, not late to. 
The chariot will pick you right there, and then the Father wants to see you now, and boom, you will be right there. Not two minutes late, not 30 seconds late. You won't be able to reschedule. It's going to be a time where you're going to sit before or stand before the judge. The living should take this to heart. But are we in this world today taking anything that has to do with our future to heart? Ecclesiastes 7 and 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Seldom read these verses, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, they're in there. They're there. You just go through the pages and look at the most dusty verses and you'll find that those are the ones that give you life. That's the perfect place to find life. It's my mission, ladies and gentlemen, to help us all begin to give attention to our end result. It's so important for us. I believe that the Lord, sadly enough, and we see it happening in our surrounding, is going to allow certain things to take place in our lifetime that's going to cause people to look forward. You'll find that written in the history book of the Bible everywhere. When people forgot, God allowed things to happen. There's a lot happening in our world today. I just told a brother that I met the other day at my office. We were there conversing. I said, you know, we're going through a lot in this world today. We're seeing a lot of horrible things happen. There's so much. Uh, you don't even want to watch the news anymore. It makes you angry. So much is happening. But you know what, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me carefully. It's not enough to make the church cry out. We're pretty callous, man. We're pretty callous. You see, oh, it's horrible what they're doing to our children. All these gender-changing things now, pronouns and all these things. And, oh, our teachers are going through a lot of junk. Their kids going in there with rabbit suits wanting to identify as a jackrabbit. Or, uh, oh, it's just horrible. It's horrible. And sadly, even more, the parents are going, my kid wants to be a rabbit. And you will call him a rabbit. He wants to be a furry. There's men thinking they can breastfeed babies and, and men can have babies. and The stupidity. But that's how forgetfulness that's what forgetfulness does in the minds of men. When they forget that there is a living God that is looking upon every deed, good and bad. And one day he's going to bring it to conclusion. And every man is going to get his reward. Mm. You're not going to want to go home. Or some of you are home already in your minds. Mm. We face the tragedy of miss, missing that place and outcome that God has for us and end up with an outcome that is going to bring us eternal regret. 
It's time, ladies and gentlemen, the time is now that the church must be made aware that there is a king of glory coming. And I say this, and I know that social media travels around the world if it so chooses. But I tell you this, that whether the pulpits have made the people ready or not, or the people themselves have not paid attention to make themselves ready, we are soon going to hear the trumpet sound roar from heaven as we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit shout, Behold, the groom cometh. The Bible says of this coming that there will be one riding a white horse who's called faithful. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head will be many crowns. His robe will be dipped in blood. His name is the word of God. Heaven will follow after him. Out of his mouth is a sharp sword which will strike down the nations. He will tread the winepress, the Bible says, of the fury and the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his tithe, uh, and his thigh, the Bible says, is written a name, King of kings and Lord of lords, whether we are ready or not, our conclusion is coming. Mm. Our conclusion is coming, ready or not. What will your investment reward you with? What will your investment bring to you? You can't trade it off. It's yours. You work for it. You can't trade it with somebody else. And say, Can I have a little bit of yours? Yours looks pretty good. No. It's kind of like those ten foolish virgins. Remember the five? They came back and they said, can we have a little bit of oil here? <laughs> Get your own, man. That's an opportunity that God gives us today to get your own oil. The Bible says that the conclusion was there already. They ran off to go get oil. The Bible says that when they came back, the Lord had concluded everything. He was gone. It was over. And ladies and gentlemen, sadly enough, there's coming a day. Where people are going to be frustrated, pulling their hair from their heads because of the conclusion of their lives. They're going to shout as they did in the times of Noah, banging and banging and banging the door to be open of the ark. But the ark was shut and sealed. The Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what anybody else might teach you, that that which the Lord closes, no one can open. And that which the door that the Lord opens, no one can close. So meaning to say, ladies and gentlemen, that on that day, what's yours is yours. We are told then, this is the conclusion of men. This is God's plan. What is God's plan? What is the final business of all men? 
Can I give you just one good reason, one good thing that we're supposed to be pursuing now? That song we just read, it meant so much to me. I, didn't even, I, I started reading everything and it became so real. He said, you're the only one I'm chasing now. When it comes to the conclusion of man, when it comes to the ultimate business of man, you and I, our ultimate order of business is to win Christ. To win Christ for yourself. Young people, to win Christ for yourself. Religious dad and mom, to win Christ for yourself. The challenge in this world today is to win Christ for us. He's been given to us, but we must win his favor to come with us. The Bible says, Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 9 and 24, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize for everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Win Christ. Matthew 7 and 21 reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, I went to Rock of Ages. I played in the worship team. I taught a class. I handed out tracts. I even ushered in the church. I was a good friend to the pastor. I was there in Rock of Ages for 30 years. Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles in your name? And then the Lord said, that's not what your conclusion is. Mm -mm. I never knew you, man. You may have gone through all the theatrics, but it was all lip service. You only knew the melody of the song. You never read the words. All that thing about this is where I lay it down just because you knew the words. It never meant a thing to you. You're the only one I'm chasing now was only words. It never meant a thing to you. This is my surrender simply because you speak the English language. They understand surrender, but you never surrendered a thing to me. Let us never forget that the will of God is that we win Christ for ourselves. We need to find ourselves in the middle of his will for our lives. Our journey in this world has been designed by him who knows the plan. And it's been designed so that you and I can come and have a head-on, a heart-on collision with Christ. To win Christ, to be saved. To search after Christ like a precious pearl, the Bible says. Matthew 13 and 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Listen carefully. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and, brought, and bought that field. 
Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see if I can simplify this to you or make it mean something. Whatever direction in life you are taking right now, and I'm not saying that education, that having a good business, that doing this and that or the other is a bad thing. Good for you. Run and chase after that. But if that is not leading you to the cross, throw it away. I don't care if you graduated from Harvard. I don't care if you're the greatest scientist in the world, the greatest doctor that has developed scientific discoveries. Throw it away. When the Bible says that this man went back and threw everything away, you don't know what he owned. You would suspect quickly, well, he's probably a poor guy that lived under a tent or under a bridge. I don't believe for a minute that the Lord would give us someone like that as an example. Because it's always teaching us sacrifice. This man had to have been well off. This man obviously would have had a name in the city. This man was obviously in the business of excavating or had a business of himself. And the moment he found that precious pearl, he hid it and he ran. He said, whatever I have, whatever I was chasing, whatever I was dreaming, whatever I was planning, whatever I was building for myself, he threw it away and came back and embraced that pearl. I believe that this parable is given to us to illustrate the Lord, illustrating to us the great value of the kingdom of heaven. So ladies and gentlemen, it is in the order of business of God for us that we win Christ. And whatever dreams and ambitions you might have that don't lead you to Christ, they must be sold off. Well, how irrational might that be? I don't know that the Lord would have us to do that. Listen, the Bible says if one eye makes you sin, gouge it out. You think he cares about the fact that you got a degree? <laughs> Some of you are going like. You think that the Lord says if this hand makes you sin, cut it off. It's better to go to heaven without one member than to go to hell because of your hand. I don't think the Lord would have me throw away this. I work too much for it. Think again. At least it's not an eye or an arm, my friend. If they don't lead you to Christ, they must go. We're called to win Christ. We must set our compass here and focus it on Christ. If you want your conclusion to be what the Lord has established, and that is to reign with him forever in glory, then we need to consider our conclusion. And we must consider it in detail, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know anything about flying a plane, but I read this illustration one, an honest one from a pilot as he was giving testimony. He said, whenever I take a tour or I take a flight to a particular part of the world, 
we set our compasses. Now, a compass can be a big machine, and if you look at it, you might not be able to tell if it's offset or not, but you have to check certain meters and things to make sure that it's right on your place of destiny. If you take off, just hypothetically, I don't know how they would work, but if you take off from Dallas and you're going to LAX in California and your compass is just an eighth of an inch off, you might end up somewhere in Canada because what begins really small will open a vast separation from where you're supposed to be going. That's what kind of detail God wants us to give our lives. To make sure that our compasses, ladies and gentlemen, are set right on point. To make sure that our relationship with God, with Jesus, is right on point. That the things you are working for today are leading you like that compass that's been well prepared and set. That's going to take you to the feet of Christ. There at the feet of Christ, I promise you, you will love the conclusion of Christ when he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the peace and rest of your Lord. What will be the conclusion of you? I'm going to stop right here. What will be the conclusion of me? Pastor, I don't have time to think about tomorrow, man. I'm thinking so much about today. That could be the biggest mistake, my friend, because you don't know tomorrow is yours. You might be led to your conclusion in the next 24 hours. And you'll have nothing to prepare. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? And the Bible says that one went to a certain place to the wrong conclusion while the other went to a good conclusion. And the one in the bad conclusion wanted to change his mind. He said, listen, can we work this out? He said, in your lifetime, you had good things. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, don't let good things keep you from Christ. Don't let the good things keep you from Christ. Don't let the good things draw you away from Christ. He said, in your life, you had Good things. Lazarus had other things. But you had good things. That means that God had blessed that guy. God is blessing you today with so many good things. But don't let those good things draw you away from him. Oh, I've got a job now. Now I don't have to go to church. I used to pray because I had a need. I don't have any needs now. Oh, I needed this before, but I got it now. Thank God. And you thank him only because now you can freely run away from him. Don't let good things keep you away from winning Christ. Because as that story tells us and that testimony tells us of Lazarus and the rich man. Those good things that he had once, he had no more. And the scripture we read this morning says that if you forget, you remember? If you forget the Lord, I will come and I will destroy you. 
That is, I will blow away everything you call good. And you will be left naked and afraid. What will your conclusion be? Would you stand to your feet with me? Are you ready for your conclusion? You know, there are thousands upon thousands of people meeting their conclusion even as we speak. Since I began to speak to you this morning, I dare say thousands upon thousands of people are now receiving the reward of their conclusion. And the Bible says, good or bad, it's coming. But we're still here by the grace of God. But we don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. The time is now to prepare for that conclusion. The time is now to, to look out instead of just be so self-centered. To look out and see what shall my end be. Will it be in heaven? Will it be with Jesus? Or will it be somewhere else in a Christless eternity that you're going to regret for the rest of eternity? Ladies and gentlemen, let this message not come to you as a rebuke. Let it come as a word of encouragement. This is God speaking and reaching out to you. Because he knows where each and every one of us, he knows exactly where I'm at. And we need to take heed to his word. You remember Jesus said, it is the will of my father that none be lost. And this is why sometimes you have to preach the hard sayings of Christ in his word. At, even at the expense of making you sorrowful. The Bible says that godly sorrow will lead to repentance. I didn't come up here to insult you. I didn't come up here to offend you. But if this morning's message somehow wakes you up and takes you to a place of sorrow, godly sorrow, then follow that and get on your knees and win Christ. Because that is the purpose of this morning for you. I don't know where you're at. I'm not going to judge you. That's not my business. My business is to be a herald of truth to you. And to let you know that God wants you ready. Every man has two conclusions. He will choose one or the other. What will be the conclusion? Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.